It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. When we want to defend, we're going to have to defend every night. And if we'll defend and be an elite defensive team, which... Over the last 10 games, we've been second in the NBA. We can beat anybody. If we defend like that, it's going to be a long season. That's it. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is January 23rd, 2020. My name is Philip Ross and Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, we'll talk about that defeat, the Orlando Magic falling to the Oklahoma City Thunder, 120 to 114 in a frustrating game to say the least. We'll talk about uh, what went wrong for the Orlando Magic there. And we'll talk a little bit more about Nikola Vucevic and the seasons he's having and how Vucevic is still putting up some pretty solid numbers, yet the numbers feel fairly hollow. We'll get into that here coming up in just a bit. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want to get the lowdown on the Oklahoma City Thunder's perspective of today's game or Wednesday's game? Check out Locked On Thunder. Want to look ahead to Friday's game against the Boston Celtics? Check out Locked On Celtics. No matter which team you cheer for, which team you're interested in, which team you hate, or anywhere in between, there's a Locked On podcast for you. Whether it's the NFL, the the NBA, the MLB, college, or the NHL too. You can find a Locked On podcast for your favorite team. Plus, we have great national podcasts including Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, the Duncan and Hollinger NBA show, and Rejecting the Screen. Check them all out wherever you download podcasts. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. We sit here a lot and say that the Orlando Magic's best bet to win or the Orlando Magic's identity is their defense. And so when I rattle off the following stats to you, it's pretty clear which direction this whole thing is going. The Oklahoma City Thunder shot roughly 60% for the entire game. They ended up at 60.5%. And this after a better defensive quarter, holding the Thunder to 28 points in the fourth quarter. The Thunder made their living in the paint with 54 points in the paint. Magic also had 54, but Oklahoma City was doing it in ways that just tore apart the Magic's defense. 
pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll. Lobs to Nerlens Noel, flares to Mike Muscala, finishes at the rim for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Dennis Schroeder stopping for pull-ups and, and mid-range jumpers. It was, it was easy pickings for the Oklahoma City Thunder throughout much of the night. And again, the Thunder shot 60.5% for the game. It's going to be very, very difficult for the Magic to win any game, giving up 120 points, number one, but be giving up a field goal percentage that high. But even though the Thunder had built a 15-point lead in the third quarter, even though Oklahoma City had control of the game for pretty much the entire way, Orlando fought. Orlando stayed in it. Orlando gave itself a chance to win the game. Terrence Ross scored 12 points in a 14-8 run in the final two minutes of the third quarter, final 209 of the third quarter. Sparking the Amway Center crowd, hitting again three three point. Uh, it was what two three. It was three three pointers plus an and one four point play. It was electric in the building, and a Magic team that had kind of scuttled and, and struggled to find its way suddenly had the energy. But the final six minutes of the game really the final five minutes of the game, proved to be, disaster feels like a strong word, but pretty disastrous. Evan Fournier had two turnovers in the final final five minutes and, and missed several shots. Nikola Vucevic turned the ball over when Chris Paul pulled the chair on him. Aaron Gordon, with a chance to give the Magic the lead at the foul line with about four and a half minutes to play, missed both free throws. And all the while, the Thunder kept up their attack. All the while, the Thunder found the shots that they wanted, got to the spots on the floor that they wanted. And while the Magic's defense tightened up a little bit, ultimately, their poor perimeter defense did them in. Vucevic committed a silly reach and foul that put the Thunder at the foul line. And then finally, with about 36 seconds left, Dennis Schroeder put the nail in the coffin, hitting a 20-foot jumper wide open at the free throw line that delivered the Thunder a six-point lead and the game. The Oklahoma City Thunder defeat the Orlando Magic 120-114, to leaving the Magic, frankly, searching for answers once again. Uh, it's just frustrating, you know, especially when you had a few opportunities. We had some at the end, too, but we didn't make shots. Uh, it's tough, but uh, it's the way it goes sometimes. Magic guard Terrence Ross speaking after Wednesday's game. The end of the game was certainly disappointing and a sign of bigger problems that occurred throughout the entirety of the game. As Steve Clifford said at the top of our show today, if the Magic play defense like this, they're going to have a lot of long nights like this. Again, the Thunder shoot 60.5% from the floor and really got wherever they wanted on the basketball floor. Nerlens Noel must have had four or five lobs at the basket from guards being unable to get around screens and Nikola Vucevic or Mo Bamba, as it were, unable to stop the penetration and keep contact with Noel. He was able to get behind the defense. And it was just a constant string of trying to figure out, trying to find out how to try how to slow this team down in any way. And Orlando, you know, to, I'll give them this credit, it did slow them down a little bit in that early fourth quarter. They did... They did start to find their way, but 
it was still just so inconsistent. This isn't the defense that we expect from the Magic. Now, granted, the Thunder are one of the best pick-and-roll teams in the league, but the Magic are one of the best pick-and-roll defenses in the league, too, and they just didn't have it. Evan Fournier struggled on screens. Markel Fultz struggled on screens. Terrence Ross struggled on screens. Nikola Vucevic struggled on his back line. Everyone, all around the roster, just didn't defend at the level that we've come to expect from this team. Yet, Orlando still had their chances to win this game. It still came down to making or missing shots. It came down to shot selection and and making good decisions. And the Magic, those last six minutes, those last five and a half minutes, just didn't make great decisions. Whether it was shot decisions. I thought Evan Fournier's shot selection was very poor. Terrence Ross, you know, is has a green light to take contested shots, but I thought he took a couple of bad shots. And then turnovers after turnovers after turnovers. Uncharacteristically, the Magic turned the ball over 15 times for 18 Thunder points. So while Orlando did some things well, at the end of the day, it didn't add up to anything because the Magic let themselves down. I mean, we've been good. We've been good. It's just, uh, I mean, we messed up tonight. Dude. Uh, Mess up tonight. I mean, we're going to watch the film, uh, practice, talk about it, and fix it. And Evan Fournier there speaking about the Magic's pick-and-roll defense. If, if there is any solace, it is that this does feel like an aberration. The Magic are a good pick-and-roll defense. That They just maybe had a bad night. Over the course of an 82-game schedule, you're going to have bad nights. and It feels really bad in the moment, but it can quickly get brushed off. Remember, just a week ago, we're celebrating a Magic's win, win over the Los Angeles Lakers. However, I will note that this is now three of the last four games the Magic have not had great energy and great effort off the start. So maybe maybe the schedule is wearing on them a little bit and the Magic have to refocus and, and kind of find their center once again. It's definitely, that part is definitely concerning. And while it's been a different thing in each of the Magic's four, last four games, it is that part is concerning. That is a troubling trend. And to me... That's why what we're going to talk about here on the tail end of this episode is so important. The Magic need their rock. They need their all-star. They need Nikola Vucevic. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Well, Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your short list of applicants fast. You can also add skills tests to your job post so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities before you even talk to them and think about hiring them. Their library of more than 50 skills tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash locked on and get a free sponsor job upgrade on your first posting. That's Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. 
but there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Before we talk a little bit more about Nikola Vucevic, let's run through the final box score for you. Like I said, the big stat of the night, the Oklahoma City Thunder shoot 60.5% from the fo- from the floor. That was actually down. They were shooting up above 60, around 65, around 63, 64% for much of the game. The Magic's defense... Just not providing much resistance. Dennis Schroeder leads the way for the Thunder with 31 points. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 18 points, 12 rebounds. Chris Paul, 19 points, 6 assists. Dennis Schroeder, I should mention, 31 points, 13 for 18 shooting, 9 assists. Nerlens Noel with 14 points for the Thunder. So the Thunder get plenty of, uh, of action and plenty of support from their top players. The Magic were not too shabby. I mean, you, you, we're going to look at the box score here, and, and I, again, I, I caveat that it's it's not everything, because we'll talk about Vucevic here in a moment, but um, Nikola Vucevic, Vucevic with 24 points, 10 for 20 shooting, 3 for 7 from beyond the arc, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, 1 block. Sounds like a really nice game. I'll explain in just a moment why it wasn't quite what it looked looked to be, but a solid box score night for Nikola Vucevic. I will say this, I think that he struggled for long pockets of this game. The end of the game, for sure. The start of the game, for sure, where he missed a couple open open threes. He had a lot of his kind of bunnies and, and hooks that, that he missed, but uh, once the Magic kind of needed to find their footing, he he provided a lot of boost. He was he was a big boost in the early third quarter, um, and, and he really paced the team offensively until Terrence Ross got hot. So Vucevic definitely did some good things, but we'll, we'll talk about more, more about Vucevic here in just a second. Terrence Ross leads the team in scoring, though, with 26.8 for 16 shooting, 5 for 11 from beyond the arc, 5 for 5 from the foul line, um, a, a re- two steals, a really just, you know, this is a quintessential Terrence Ross performance. Um, he got hot, strung together a bunch of three-pointers, increased the energy for the team, and the Magic kind of fed off that. Um, the, the crowd got, got, got into it late in the third quarter when Ross went on his run, and it really began to feel like, okay, maybe the Magic can steal this one, this, you know, the kind of game that maybe the Magic stole last year, perhaps. Um, late in the game, he missed his missed some shots. You know, he definitely has the green light to shoot at any point. Um, and you know, just you kind of live and die with those shots. So you know, you don't mind it so much. But but Ross again, a big Ross is the reason why the Magic were in the game. Uh, he, he sparked them, gave them a bit of energy, and that that got them back into the game. Evan Fournier, twelve points, five for twelve shooting, one for six from beyond the arc, six assists. Seven turnovers. It was a, a a game that was a bit of a mixed bag for Evan Fournier. Definitely wasn't able to hit from the outside. Was able to get into the lane a few times, but just overall, I I, I did not like Fournier's shot selection. You know, I, I I thought that Fournier was taking shots too quickly. Was taking a lot of contested shots. And you know, if, if there, I mean, there's certainly a criticism of Fournier out there that I think is founded that. When Fournier doesn't get a lot of shots, or when Fournier hasn't taken a shot in a long time, it, it, he kind of takes on a, a my turn approach, where 
he kind of forces a shot just to get a shot up. And, you know, maybe that has some merit. Maybe that, that that's something that he needs to do just to kind of keep a little bit of a rhythm going when he's when the offense isn't running through him. But it it it, it, it happened at the wrong moments in this game. Late in the game, Fournier just I just did not like any of the shots Fournier took late in the game. And for better or for worse right now, and I think it's certainly a debate about about what the Magic should do late in games. For better or for worse right now, the Magic run their offense through Fournier and Vucevic. They're running Fournier and Vucevic pick and rolls as their late game offense. And so if Fournier is missing no shots or Fournier is not able to generate good shots for himself, that's going to crater the offense. And it certainly is late in games. Um, you know, I, I don't, and I think the Magic ran, uh, uh, Magic ran essentially the same play two or three times in a row uh, late in this game um, where. I believe it's I believe Fournier would have the ball at the top of the key. Uh Gordon would go set a uh Vucevic would go set a pin down to bring Gordon to the ball. Gordon would then either flare or come up and set a screen for Fournier. And and that would be kind of how the magic got their action going. And they would they would either try and duck it into to Vucevic in the post or they or Fournier would have the option to get to get to Gordon on the on the wing. And the Magic ran like several variations of it, and and you know Gordon can dive. There's there's, there's different there's different aspects uh, aspects of it. Um, definitely the same kind of setup, the same play. Um, and, you know you just you just read what the defense is giving you there. Um, but each each time the Magic just did not get a good shot. So the late game execution, all the way all the way around, it was you know Fournier, Vucevic, Gordon. Those are the guys that the Magic ran their offense through late in this game. Um, just did not get good looks, and and Fournier I thought just did did not do a good job kind of generating. Good looks for himself. So, uh, uh, a frustrating game for him. He's, he's, you know, I think he's probably still dealing a little bit with some of the after effects of that illness. Um, but you know, Orlando turned to him, and, and he he didn't deliver in this game. To be to be fair, uh, and the turnovers were just a huge issue. Um, you know, it was all night long. It wasn't just late in the game. He had two in the final five minutes. Um, just seven turnovers. Just you can't have that. Uh, you can't have seven turnovers in a game. And 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 Fournier just just struggled mightily. And and Oklahoma City's defense, to their credit. You know, not the best defensive unit. Now, obviously, they gave up 114 points here, but they they did a good job swarming and crowding drivers into the lane. They did a good job swarming and crowding Nikola Vucevic when he got post ups, and it was just just not a good just not a good game. Magic were just kind of knocked off kilter all game long. Aaron Gordon with 14 points, six for 13 shooting, two for four from beyond the arc, eight rebounds, three assists. Um, Gordon was all right. Um, you know, he had the the, the assignment on to Neil Gallinari. Gallinari just four for eleven, two for seven from beyond the arc. So not a, a terrible game. Not a terrible game defensively. Um, he's he started to step himself up in the fourth quarter. He made a lot of big fourth quarter plays. Um, but of course, the big one that that he certainly remembers as he went back out on the court to practice his free throws was missing two free throws with the chance to give the Magic the lead again. Just another missed opportunity for for the Magic to to kind of take control of the game or or, ta- or build some momentum. And, you know, those three throws, the ball just, you know, the air just kind of sucked out of the balloon a little bit uh, on that one. So just, again, just a tough break for Gordon. I thought that he did play a nice game. Um, you know, struggled to finish around the basket. You know, he's, again, a little, you know, he's able to make that first move to get by his guy, but then he's kind of out of control and unable to finish. So, you know, there, there's something there. I, I think I think you see room for him to grow developmentally. He's just got to kind of put the work in and, and focus on that part of his game. To, to kind of finish it out and round it on form. And then, you know, who knows? He might be a, a real player at that uh, a bigger player at that point. Um, Michael Carter-Williams, 15 points, 6 for 12 shooting, 1 for 2 from beyond the arc, 3 assists, uh, a steal, and a block. Um, 
this is this is the Michael Carter Williams magic we want to see. Um, you know, it's been a while. He's still coming back from the injury, and so this was really the first game that it felt like Michael Carter Williams was back. He was dis- disruptive, or I should say, more disruptive defensively than the Magic's other guards. He was able to get to the basket, finish around the rim. He was making things happen and playing with that little bit of edge that the Magic need. Uh, so um, it was the first time that that Carter Williams just really looked like himself and and looked like the guy that the Magic absolutely need to play and 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 ha- bring that energy that that the Magic need. Marco Fultz added 11 points, 4 for 7 shooting, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. Um, I, I think the calls to have Fultz run more of the offense or trust Fultz with more of the offense are fair. I think that he should he should earn that trust a little bit more. He got himself stuck a few times and, and, and the offense, you know, it didn't die when he was there. He's still able to whip passes around and he made he made some incredible passes. I mean, I, I'm still blown away by some of the passes that Marco Fultz makes, but... Um, uh, certainly, I think that certainly I think that that Fultz uh, is is worthy of getting a little bit more responsibility within the offense, and, and I'd like to see the Magic, you know, not turn it maybe completely over to him. You know, I think I, I think there needs to be better balance, and I think I think Fultz could use a little bit of a usage rate bump. Uh, like I said before, I do I do think that the Magic are managing him a little bit, um, kind of waiting for him to be fully ready, to be fully confident in him. Uh, and kind of keeping him in positions where he can succeed. I, I think they don't want to expose him to a ton of failure necessarily. Um, you know, I think he's shown that he can handle failure and that that he can grow from it. Um, so I, I think that the I think that the the ace in the hole for the Magic, so to speak, is to to let Fultz run a little bit more of the offense. You know, maybe some of it is they don't have a lot of off. They, you know, they didn't expect Fultz to be this central to the team, so they don't have a lot of offense installed that works off of Fultz. And and so maybe next week's practice will be an opportunity to install some more of that offense, to install some more of those plays and those reads so that Fultz can take o- take over a little bit more. Or maybe it's just a thing that they do in the summer. They 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 just, they make the decision to to trust him a little bit more and ter- and design an offense a little bit more tailored to his skills. Um, but Fultz, a really nice game, just a little too much into the background, especially late in the game when when perhaps perhaps it's time to, to trust him a little bit more to make plays. He, he seems to make... Good decisions for the most part, although he did have a turnover late in the game as well. So, so I won't I won't completely absolve him. Orlando shoots forty seven point eight percent from the floor, forty percent from beyond the arc, fourteen for thirty five, twelve of sixteen from the foul line. They get eleven offensive rebounds to, to the Thunder's zero offensive rebounds. They had a team offensive rebound, um, but Orlando turns the ball over fifteen times. Uncharacteristically, a, a tough go there. The Orlando Magic fall to the Oklahoma City Thunder one twenty to one fourteen. They're back in action Friday against the Boston Celtics for the first time this season. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I don't like having each game be a referendum for the season. I, I want to make that very, very clear. We're, we're looking at kind of one data point of 82. And there are outliers and there are you know, there are outliers in both directions. Games that you're very good, games that you're very bad. That's why most NBA players say you're not as good as you think you think you are on your best day. You're not as bad as you think you are on your worst day. 
Magic had a pretty bad day Wednesday. What I, what I tend to look for are patterns. Like I said, if there is a concerning thing to come out of this game, it's that in three of the last four games for the Magic, they have not looked good. They've not looked like they had the right energy and focus defensively to win sustaining basketball. You know, losing to the Clippers, so what? The way they lost to the Warriors, troubling. The way that they started off against Charlotte, troubling, but understandable with the fatigue. The way that they played Wednesday, troubling. Is it enough to enough to be really concerned? I'm not there yet. I think there's certainly some slippage that you would expect from a team that that's really only had one practice uh, in the last week. Um, they practiced in San Francisco before the Warriors game. Um, and so, you know, you hope Thursday you can clean some things up, you know, maybe get a little bit rest. You know, you're at home, you're in the same spot for a little bit longer uh, and, and, and hope for a more focused, intense effort on Friday. If there's one thing we do know about this team, when they struggle, when they, when they fail like they did on Wednesday, they typically come back a little bit better. So I don't like using one game as a referenda of, of the entire season. But increasingly, I find in the conversations that I have that, that these games are becoming a little bit of a referenda of Nikola Vucevic and, and, and his capabilities and, and his, frankly, place as the star of this team. No doubt, and even I would admit this, no doubt, the Magic need to upgrade their talent. If, if Nikola Vucevic is your, is your leading star, there's, there's definitely a ceiling on your team. And I think part of this year is about really understanding where this team needs to improve, understanding the limits of this team, and, and we're certainly understanding that. But at the same time, it's still about winning basketball. It's still about getting better. It's still about getting back to the playoffs. And without a doubt, the Magic are not getting back to the playoffs without Nikola Vucevic. Undoubtedly, the Magic are not getting to that level without Vucevic, who is, to me, undoubtedly, the best player on the team. Not the most talented player on the team. Let's make that distinction. There are more talented players on this team. But Vucevic is currently the best player on the team. And I think the numbers bear that out. But undoubtedly, too, this has been a disappointing season for Nikola Vucevic. The season has not gone the way that that he would certainly have hoped. It has not gone the way the Magic would certainly have hoped. And while Vucevic is putting up solid numbers looking good on paper. 19 points per game, 11.1 rebounds per game, 3.4 assists per game. Those aren't his all-star numbers from last year. He was at 20, 12, and, and again, like about three and a half. But they're still solid. If, if he's not the all-star he was last year, he's returned to the very comfortable, solid level that he was at before when, now again, I think a lot of people frankly ignored him or didn't give him his full due. And in fact, again, Wednesday's game, on the box score, a really solid game. 24 points, 10 for 20 shooting, 3 for 7 from beyond the arc, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, and a block. That's a really nice game for Nikola Vucevic. But, I think we can all say, just watching this team, that it goes a little bit, that, that, that whether Vucevic played well or not, 
goes a little bit beyond the numbers. goes a little bit deeper than that. Vucevic can put up numbers. But as the team's all-star, as the best player on this team, it's about a little bit more. And they collapsed. And I mean, obviously, you know, he, he, look, he struggled at both ends. It wasn't one of his better games. I mean, his, you know, his numbers, I mean, he took 20 shots, but he had, uh, you know, he's a really good player and he didn't have a good night. That's it. It was not a good night for Nikola Vucevic. I think we could say that very objectively if you watch this game. He struggled to be in the right spots defensively. He struggled uh, to, to get easy shots to go down. He missed plenty of open shots early on that would have really given the Magic a, a little bit of a boost that the big momentum plays. But more importantly to me, Nikola Vucevic has a special responsibility on this team. His responsibility is that of the star player. He has to find a way to impact games beyond just his box score. His Poor defense throughout the night, and 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 tip, and I think I think the Magic guards put him in bad spots. So don't get me wrong. I, I think the defensive failures were not only to Vucevic; it belonged to everyone. And Vucevic maybe didn't make the right plays or didn't quite. Uh, you know, I always say that 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 Vucevic really struggles when he gets caught in kind of no man's land where he's not able to step up and stop the dribble penetration, but also can't leave the big behind him. And so he's kind of stuck in the middle and, and that just ends just as bad. He needs to be decisive, whether even if it's the wrong decision, be decisive. And that's where Vucevic really struggles defensively. So he looked like, for a good chunk of this game, the poor defender that got a lot of criticism from Magic fans, got a lot of criticism from Magic fans and, and kind of the desire to go get a new center at all times, got much of his tenure with the team. I will give Vucevic credit. I thought he got a lot better as the game went on. He deflected a few of those lobs. He started playing a little bit better. The Magic started just straight out switching, which I think had mixed effect. I didn't like seeing Vucevic guarding Chris Paul. I, I always think that's that's a dangerous thing for the Magic, especially pulling, or pulling a rebounder away from the basket. But it got better as the game went on. But still, it comes down to the star has to find a way to impact the game. And frankly... This is a double-edged sword. Because, yeah, yeah, you know, it's tough. Centers don't have the same ability to take over games as guards do. Can't just go up the go up the floor, ISO, and, and create something. You got to dump the ball into the post. You got to use a screen. You got you to do all these things to set him up. And that's the part where the Magic are failing Vucevic a little bit. Steve Clifford has talked about it, that he's got to do a better job getting Vucevic better post looks. And while Vucevic is still posting up as much as any player in the league, I think he's 8th in the league in post-ups with about 3.8 per game, that number is down from last year. He averaged more than 5 post-ups per game last year. Last year, he made, he scored about .97, or, you know, .9 points per, per possession on post-ups. This year, it's like .78. Vucevic is shooting a career-low 41% from the floor. It's the lowest he shot since his rookie year in Philadelphia when he barely played. Some of that has to do that he's playing a lot on the three-point line. He's taking more three-pointers this year than he's ever taken in his career. You know, maybe So maybe this year is a growing pains in him being a volume three-point shooter and something that will continue to grow and get better and, and, and become a weapon for him down the line. But right now, it's... 
It is a weapon. It's not that it's not a weapon. It's not that he's not a good three-point shooter. Right now, it seems like it's taking away some of what made Vucevic so good last year. And so, yes, the Magic have to do a better job getting Vucevic good post looks, of getting him in the paint because ultimately that's what will help get him going. Sure, some the plays that I you know usually get you know under the, like closer to the basket and stuff are usually more efficient from there. But just gotta you know find my ways you know get try to get some. Uh, I think I feel like I should try to get some more easy baskets. You know, those usually get me going. Uh, you know, those I think the ones that every player you know likes and you get going easier through that. It helps with confidence and uh, so just try maybe you know try to get some of those. Uh, you know, I'm shooting a little more threes this year too, but it's just uh, I think I think mainly the easy ones. I made mean, off the glass, the deep seals, things of that nature. I also when I hit in the post, you know, defense is more focused and uh, there's less room for me to work. But uh, I mean, just keep working, keep watching film, learning, seeing you know, what's there. Uh, feeling you know, last two games been better for me shooting wise, uh, but just you know, gotta stick with it. And so part of the problem, as Nikola Vucevic says, there is yes, has to do better getting better post positions and getting getting opportunities to score near the basket, see the ball go through the rim, and that'll open up a lot more of his game and open up a lot more games for everyone else. But you can also see there some of the issues too because a lot of this is still on Vucevic. He is missing a lot of his touch shots that he would normally make, shots that you trust him to make. His field goal percentage is certainly lower in the post than it was last year. Teams are crowding and doubling him and being physical with him in a way that they weren't perhaps last year. Certainly the playoffs and instructing them to crowd and, and, and rush him a little bit. And Vucevic just had to learn how, how to play like an all-star and deal with this reality. And certainly I'm sure he's eagerly looking forward to a chance at redemption when the playoffs come around in April. To be frank, this is not the same Nikola Vucevic as last year. That That part is obvious at this point. It's... He's probably not going to make the All-Star team, although I, I, I'm going to go through go through my teams at some point, and I do think that either he or Evan Fournier could be one of the first one or two guys to, to make the All-Star team if so, if someone if someone can't play. If, 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 they're, if they need an injury replacement, I would imagine that there's a very real chance that Vucevic or Fournier could be one of the guys that, that gets selected by the commissioner as a way to have some magic representation at, at All-Star weekend. No guarantee the Magic have any representation at All-Star Weekend at this point. But the Magic need Vucevic to play at an All-Star level. If not straight, if not on straight scoring production or straight raw numbers or straight box score numbers, it's about the impact he makes. It's about finding a way to affect the game with his presence, just being in the game. It's about stepping up and making that play out of nowhere, that play that the team needs in that moment, you know, when the opportunity arises, of course. It's not necessarily about making the last shot or, or getting the ball late in games. It's about impacting the game in a positive way, really at all times. And right now, sometimes it does feel like Vucevic can shoot the Magic out of games, shoot them out of rhythm, especially early on when the Magic go to him most. And so the onus is on Vucevic to set the tone, to be the leader, to be the best player on the team, which he is. And if the Magic want to reach the consistency that they want to reach, 
It's going to start with Vucevic. And it starts perhaps with the coach getting him better shots, getting shots in better locations and in situations where he can score more easily. But at the end of the day, it's about players playing. It's about players executing. And unfortunately for the Magic, Vucevic has been fairly inconsistent this season. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the places you on podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore mdean. Of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 